0: You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. Our guest on Preaching Source today is Dr. Jonathan Lehman. He's the editorial director for Nine Marks and serves as an elder at Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. After doing undergraduate and graduate degrees in political science, Jonathan began his career in journalism, where he worked as an editor for an international economics magazine in Washington. But since his call to the ministry, uh, he's earned a master's of divinity and a PhD in theology, and now ministry occupies his mind each day. Jonathan, welcome to Preaching Source.
1: Brother, grateful to be here. Thank you.
0: All right. Uh, you're on the campus of Southwestern Seminary this week for the text driven preaching conference. Where did you first encounter the term text driven preaching?
1: Well, I've had the privilege to serve as a trustee for the seminary, and just being on the campus for a number of years now, I've heard it again and again. And I I work for this ministry, Nine Marks. We talk about expositional preaching a lot. In fact, we define it. And when I heard the definition that you guys give to it of text driven, I'm like, that's it. In fact, don't tell people, but in some ways I like your definition better than ours. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's excellent. Uh, well, when,
0: when did you r- really begin what you would think of as expository preaching in your ministry?
1: Yeah, well, I showed up in Washington, D.C. in 1996 as a nominal Christian, joined a church on Capitol Hill where the preacher preached 50, 55-minute sermons. I'd, I'd, I hadn't gone to college, uh, church in years, but the power of his preaching was amazing. And just, it just kind of drew me in. And little by little, I thank God, I, I across from death to life uh, in that time. I went from a nominal Christian to a repenting and believing Christian. Uh, this is the late nineties. And at some point I felt called a ministry. And so I began to be tested there in the church. This is probably 98, 99 at this point and given chances to preach. And that, that was my first foray into preaching like he preached, which is to say expositionally. I went to seminary, uh, did a couple of interim pastorates. And in fact, in one of those pastorates, in both those places, my, my goal was always to preach expositionally. In one of those places, I was hoping to become the full-time pastor of the church. But the, 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 the other people responsible for making the decision said, Jonathan, your, your sermons tend to be 30 to 40 degrees off the main point of the text enough. We don't think you're the guy to pastor this church. And that was both embarrassing and humbling, but it got me to thinking even more deeply and profoundly about, okay, what is it we're trying to do when we get up in the pulpit? I, I think i had been trying to be innovative and creative in my approach to the pulpit. Yes. Yes. And that lesson God used, this is about 2006 now, God used that lesson just to emblazon on my heart, preach the point of the text. Wow. It's my wisdom that gives life. I give sight to the blind, not you, Jonathan not your clever ideas. So, yeah, this is a deep conviction of mine at this point. uh, Thanks to those brothers who refused to hire me.
0: Wow. You know? Oh, that's a profound insight. What what do you see as the benefits of that kind of expository preaching for the
1: church? Well, it reveals God, first and foremost. It reveals the way of salvation. It It reveals us to ourselves. And we know throughout scripture that God's word works through God's spirit or God's spirit works through God's word. So you think of God creating the universe coming into existence when he says be, right? And you think of Ezekiel in the valley of the dry bones. It says the word goes out and the, the bones came together, but they, there wasn't yet flesh on them. And then it says, then he, then he breathed and that word ruach is used, used again and again and again. And then you see you see word and spirit coming together and giving life to that, that valley of dry bones, right? And then of course, Paul says, faith comes through hearing. So what is, what is. Pre- do for the church, that kind of preaching, well, it gives life. It creates, it's, it's like a new ex nihilo, out of nothing creation, and that's the lives of the saints. It's remarkable.
0: All right, so uh, let's suppose that a pastor is, is dedicated to text-driven exposition. Uh, is there ever a good reason to depart from that method, and if so, Why?
1: I think from time to time, the, 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 way, the way we put it or the way I put it is, I think uh, expositional preaching should be the main diet of a church. Now from time to time. You need to address a specific thing in the life of the church that's useful. I think a topical sermon is fine. There's no, it's not sin to do that. And I think it can be loving and useful at time to time to, to, uh, preach topically. Maybe maybe I remember one occasion we felt like there was just a need to address manhood and womanhood in our, in our congregation. So a couple of sermons were devoted to that. Uh, you might, you might even preach a topical sermon on expositional preaching and explain to your church why it's so important. But again, I think the ordinary diet of the church just needs to be exposition of Scripture.
0: Mm. As part of our text-driven preaching conference, you're going to be leading a breakout session on pastors, politics, and Christian liberty. Uh, for the benefit of our listeners who aren't here for the conference, can you give us a, a synopsis of your breakout section, uh, what you're doing?
1: Yeah, sure. My, my PhD work had to do with the intersection of faith and politics, and I've, I've now written a, a couple of books on that topic, both my, my dissertation itself as well as a, a book coming out in April called How the Nations Rage, Rethinking Faith and Politics for a Divided Age. And I'll just give you the points in my breakout session. I say first, God established governments not to accomplish salvation, but to build a platform for it. Uh, second, uh, churches exist not as lobbying organizations, but as embassies of heaven. Third, I'm scrolling down, well, that's a long point. Third, God authorizes pastors to preach the Bible, not propose policy. And then fourth, and finally, I talk about Christians aren't called to be culture warriors, but ambassadors of King Jesus. And then I conclude with a number of um, a number of just kind of practical tips on how we maintain unity in our local congregations amidst political disagreement. I mean, being in Washington D.C., we have a highly political, fairly partisan congregation right um and on both sides of the aisle we 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 want republicans and democrats to know king jesus and so the elders and pastors on the whole work hard not to be partisan but at the same time speak from the bible and that's that's a challenge right and not be divisive in wrong ways but divisive in the right ways around the bible so i'm just going to try to help pastors think through that topic
0: Hmm. Now, uh, anyone who's heard of Nine Marks Ministry has probably also associated with you the, the term marks of a healthy church, mm-hmm. and I know as the editorial director that you've, you've advocated expository preaching as one of those marks. T- talk to us a little bit about how that meshes together.
1: Well, and it's the first one Okay, for precisely the things that we were talking about before. Uh, it's, it's preaching of God's word, which gives life to a congregation. Everything else flows from that. I remember when a, a friend of mine went out to uh, a plant a church and uh, my, my pastor said to him, Mike, when you go, the most important thing you do is prepare excellent sermons. That's what's going to give life. That's, that's the water coming out of the pipe, which, which gives life. Right So yeah, the nine marks starts right there. Mm.
0: Jonathan, you have an excellent article entitled "Listening to God's Word in the Church." And in that article, you give seven reasons that Christian growth should be centered on listening to God's Word in the context of the local church. Why that emphasis on live preaching uh, as opposed to listening to podcasts?
1: Yeah, sure. And thank God for podcasts, right? So <laughs> including this one. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, let, let, let me pick up the analogy. You get the water coming out of the pipe, but then it needs to be captured by a bowl. And that bowl is then held up and displayed for the nations to see in, a, in our corporate witness together. In other words, so as, as God's word comes and reshapes and reforms my heart, and I move from uh, loving self to loving God, Right. That has implications on my social relationships with other people. I'm called to love other people. I can't exercise the fruit of the Spirit all by myself on a desert island. I need other people around me to be patient, you know, kind, self-controlled, loving, and so forth. And it's in the life of a church where we learn how to apply that preaching. So, uh, I, yeah, I could keep going on, but that, that, that's, that's the big idea.
0: How, the, how can a pastor uh, create a Bible study culture? in his church.
1: prepare excellent sermons. <laughs> you know, i think the most important thing you're going to do as a pastor is show your own commitment to the importance, the authority, the sufficiency of this book. if 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 your own preaching ministry doesn't commend that, if you spend more time doing lots of other things, what's that going to teach the congregation? well, yeah, the bible's important, but uh, I, I think you want to read Scripture in uh, when the church gathers. Outside of just a preaching moment, take time to read passages, sometimes even long passages of, of Scripture. Why, why do you have to go to Roman Catholic church so often to hear Scripture actually read? Mm. You know, so every Sunday we try to read a passage from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. And then the Sunday morning sermon, whatever text that is in, then the Sunday evening sermon is going to be from the opposite text. I think pastors showing a commitment to preaching the different parts of the Bible, going back and forth between Old and New Testament between different genres is a wonderful way to expose your life, expose your congregation to different parts of Scripture. Think of Paul in Acts 20 where he says, he's quoting from Ezekiel and the the, the watchmen and not being guilty of any man's blood. He said, I I showed you all of Scripture, basically in that context. You know, preach little bits of Scripture, verse-length Scripture, preach whole chapters, preach entire books. Um, There's lots of other ways, but I think the most important thing you do uh, as a pastor to to promote a Bible study culture in a church, is to live out in your preaching that kind of fervency and uh, uh, commitment. Uh, lots of other little things you're, you, you might do. Do one-on-one Bible reading with guys. I do that. I meet with several guys at any given moment, and often I'm reading scripture with them, right, just teaching them how to read scripture. Obviously, we have inductive Bible studies. If you come into our church or you start attending and you're, you know, you're non-Christian, well, what we'll do is we'll start by reading through the book of Mark with you, uh, called Christianity Explained. We'll just work through the book of Mark. Who is well, I Jesus? I love the title. what is yeah. he, What does he, who does he claim to be, right? So from the very get-go, the very culture of the church is centered on scripture and all of its, and the friendships, the discipling relationships, the evangelism. Yeah, I think
0: that helps. All right. Jonathan, suppose uh, you're sitting across from a, a good friend who's also a pastor and has just been called to a new ministry uh, in a church? What, what's the best piece of advice you could give him about his preaching as he starts off?
1: Uh, that's a great question. Best piece of advice? Uh, read the Bible in his own quiet times uh, and 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 make sure he's devoted to that in his own prayer life. Uh, uh, don't skimp on his own prayer life and his own scripture reading. Uh, I think he needs to grow in love and and discovery of how you know scripture refers to as like a honeycomb well does he know that has he tasted that honey does he enjoy it like honey in some ways i want to i want to make sure before you even get into all the homiletics and all of those things i want to know that you enjoy scripture like honey because if you do that's going to show up eventually right in your preaching um so i think i think that's where i'd want to begin probably, just in your own personal practice of reading and loving and knowing the Bible.
0: D- describe for us your own uh, personal sermon preparation process. How, d- how do you prepare for sermons? How do you plan for sermons? Where do you study? What d- Describe your process for us.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm going to be reading the text all week. Uh, I will read it over and over in my quiet times. I know some pastors like to put a wall, a very strong wall between their personal devotions and uh, their sermon preparation. I'm not that way. I I find it helpful, in fact, to really sit under the text myself and let a text do its work in my heart before I feel like I can really preach it. So I start by doing my best to read it devotionally. Now I'm going to be, depending on how long the passage is, I may or may not translate it. Let's say a chapter or less, probably going to translate it. More than that, less likely, right? Um, but even if I'm not going to translate it, I'm going to read it in multiple translations and get a good sense of it. I'm going to do my best to outline the text. That's always critical, just kind of a structural outline, what's the main, and, and try to come to the conclusion of what's the point of the text. I think, again, that's crucial from my experience I mentioned before. Can I summarize in a single sentence this text? and And that includes both in its immediate context, but also in its canonical context where is this in the storyline of Christ? I want to understand it at both of those levels. And I'm trying to do all this work before I go to the commentaries. Uh, When I get to the commentaries, I want to be able to have a conversation with the commentaries and not just rely on them, right? Now, if there's going to be some really tricky historical background piece, I might look at the commentaries earlier on, but I'm going to do my best to kind of understand the text, structure the, uh, translate the text, uh, uh, outline the text, sit under and be, you know, immersed in the text of my own heart, and then let's go to the commentaries and have a conversation with them. Oh,
0: it warms my heart to hear you say that. <laughs> that's exactly what we try to teach students oh, that's to great. That's great. Um, uh, what are some of your favorite books on preaching?
1: Well, I'm just going to be biased here and recommend a Nine Marks book. Can I do that? Sure. Uh, David Helms' Little Expositional Preaching. It is short and to the point, it is short. Did I mention it's short?
0: Yes. Short <laughs> to
1: the point, and he does a wonderful job. I, I that that'd be the first place I'd encourage people to look.
0: Mm. Our guest on Preaching Source today has been Dr. Jonathan Lehman. He's the editorial director of Nine Marks and uh, is with Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington D.C. Uh, a journalist become a uh, pastor, and Jonathan, thank you so much for being thank with us you. today. Grateful. God bless you. Yep.